Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yes, and welcome back to Talkin' Nicks. I'm Tom Piccolo, coming at you with another midweek episode. We're going to do a little dive into something that's that's kind of percolating in Knicks fans' minds right now, and that's lineups. Fizdale's been uh, taking some criticism these past few days. He's had some quotes. We'll get into it. Let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. So last week I ran this solo and we called it the Pick and Roll Podcast. This week I'm I'm calling it the Pick and Poppy. Ooh. Pick and Poppy Podcast, because I'm joined today by Poppy Gordo himself, Jake oh. Storiali. Jake, how you doing, man? You still know how to put a little lead in my pencil. I'm good, man. I'm good. And I'm, uh, I'm even more excited because you had picked out this topic, I want to say on Sunday, and yet... Our fine coach, David Fisdale, has laid quite the golden goose for us today with that quote he said about the lineup. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to sink my teeth in. Yeah, timing worked out there. So, so for listeners, we're recording this on Wednesday night. The Knicks are moments away. They just from losing, lost. Just lost. The, the buzzer just sounded. They held, they held Detroit to 122. I don't know how they did it, but... Well, if you if you can hold Detroit without Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson to 122, then you got to tip your hat, I and guess. And no Derrick Rose, arguably their three best players. So, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, all right, so the, the Knicks dropped to 1-7, and seven, but we don't want to talk about that right now. No. That's not right now. Uh, we want to get into some lineup stuff. So, so that quote you referred to earlier, Jake, that quote was, was reported by Ian Begley, of SNY, and I, I'm just going to read it here. He says, that's literally been the biggest challenge, just figuring out who plays well together, what combinations go well together, while you're in the heat of the battle trying to win games. <sighs> what, what was your reaction when you read that, when you read that quote? Well, my, intri- my, my first reaction was to make a joke out of it because that is my first reaction with almost everything. And the reaction is, oh, so you mean coaching. You mean figuring out what guys you want to play together. You mean the whole thing you ignored this preseason, what just sitting guys randomly without a plan at all is now coming back to bite you because you didn't think it would be an issue having a you know, 12 guys you want to play in rotation. So I know, and outside of joking, there's uh, obviously there's strategy and, and, and everything else, but the guys you want to play and when they're on the court, that's one of the big ones, Tom. Yeah, that's, uh, that's at least half the battle is just figuring out your rotation as a head coach. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Part of me wants to give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, we're, we were only seven games into the season when he when he said that quote. It's there's a lot of new guys on this team. 
I guess I don't want to jump the gun t- too too early in the season. And it's like it's not as on. damning as it sounds, but it's still not good. Yeah, it's probably taken out of context too, right? There's probably some gotcha journalism here. Let's um, hope so. No, <laughs> I guess well, basically coming out of that, I want to try and figure out like what is the Knicks' best lineup? Like, what is their crunch time go-to lineup when they need to win a game? Um, you know, and they've actually had some some crunch time minutes so far this season. But I don't know, Jake. I didn't ask you to do a lot of research. No, you know, thank God, God. I didn't ask much <laughs> from you, but I would like to know just what your crunch time five looks like at this point in the season. As of right now, my crunch right time now. five. It's Mitchell Robinson, who played a big factor in today's game while he was out there for the first half before this game got out of control. Um so I, I think protecting the rim and rim running on offense, I need him out there at the five. Is that fair? I'm in total agreement there, yes. Okay. I think the next guy I jump to who has to be out there is R.J. Barrett. Um, I, I think the debate is kind of what position you have him playing. Um, I'm almost not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost talking my way through this. Uh, I've liked R.J. Barrett on the ball since the draft process. I, I think that's where he's going to thrive in the NBA. Um, for the Knicks' most success in crunch time, I don't know if we want to be putting that on him right now. Am I am I overthinking that or underthinking that? So I'm. I guess I'll save my my crunch time five, and we can kind of go back and forth. Okay. Um, for after years, but. But I mean, I, you know, to, not to spoil it, but I, I actually disagree. I think, I think that we have ball handlers specifically. So I have. I'll just go ahead and say I have Frank in my closing five. As do um, I. You do. He, okay. He was. So he I was think, my. Th- he was my third lock. He was your third lock. He's playing incredible defense, Tom. I. I. Um, tonight it was kind of incredible, and he's. He was more than serviceable on offense. He goes five of seven from the field, um, four assists, a steal, three blocks. Like in my head, Frank has to be out there for a closing lineup. Then we're totally in agreement. The only thing is that like Frank initiating the offense isn't really a great option. No. Um, so that's why I think when you have Barrett out there, I- I'm curious who you kind of see initiating the offense if not if if Barrett's not ready for that role well it's and and this is the part of the game that doesn't seem fair yet um because we saw a small dose of him and then he left the team due to injury and you know there's some stats on him and he's another guy I've been on I might want Alfred Payton out there I mean he's wow he's he's not gonna stretch the floor but he's going to play pretty good defense, and he's going to run some offense. And I know you you said it on the initial pick and roll that there's some stats there. What was his? It was 122 on, one like 88 when he was off for the offensive efficiency or whatever. Yeah, I want to say it was it was probably closer to like 112 and 88 or something like that. But, yeah, I was uh, there. Yeah, you're right. It was it was. <laughs> By far the biggest differential on the team that the team was performed much better, specifically the offense performed much better when Alfred Payton was on the floor versus when he's off. In a crazy small sample size too. Right. 
So I I don't know. If I'm if I'm going that way, how about for now this is this will be my honest thought. Cause right now Julius Randle is not giving me a lot. I think I go Marcus Morris. So I, I think I think I'm Alfred, Frank, Barrett, Marcus Morris, and Mitch Rob. So my concern with that unit is is a lo- it has a lot to do with just scoring and spacing because you have a lot of guys on the floor there who defenses just don't really respect like Alfred Payton and Frank have they I don't even think they've played a single minute together yet um if they have it's just they, they haven't really I mean granted Alfred's been out well, with his hamstring the last few games but um I don't know so you kind of have Frank in the shooting guard role and he's been shooting it a little better, but defenses still aren't like running at him. I just between like having kind of four non-shooters on the team, I just wonder if that's like a, a viable offensive unit. Yeah, I I mean I I still find role in in whatever offense you're running, Mitchell Robinson has a role. Just find some space, run to the rim, set some screens, run the baseline, find find a role. Marcus Morris, he's been the shooter. R.J. Barrett's been shooting pretty well, and he can create. Um, so I guess Alfred Payton does become the interesting one in that, because if I'm going to have Barrett as a shooter, I don't love him there. As a creator, I do like him, which eliminates Payton's role a little bit. Um, but, Tom, and uh, this might surprise you, because as, as I usually joke with you a little bit on the, the regular Sunday podcast, that you're you're the defense guy and I don't care. We just gave up a buck twenty-two to the Pistons without Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, or Reggie Jackson. So I'm sorry, like Mitch and Frank are almost if they're not there, that's almost a non-starter for me right now. So I guess that kind of brings me to to my lineup because I do I have Mitch and Frank as the anchors on defense. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I actually have. And I have R.J. Barrett at the small forward position. Okay. So that's your three. At shooting guard, I, I have Wayne Ellington. And it's it's almost just because I like that different element that he brings of, of running off screens and just just the constant motion and movement and, and the chaos he kind of creates uh, for the defense. I I mean he's is he shooting the ball great? I don't have the stats in front of me right now. I don't know if you, maybe I, you do. I, he he had a bad night tonight. Um, he's he's having kind of a rough year so far. But his his minutes have been so sporadic, and that's kind of what's throwing me off. I mean right right now coming into tonight's game, he was 19 minutes per. He was shooting 29 percent from three. Yikes. Um, and he had another tough night tonight, and that's that's where <laughs> maybe this Knicks lineup conversation gets ugly because I think you're right. If Wayne Ellington is right in hitting 40% of his threes in motion offense, and I don't know, he doesn't seem like a liability on defense, yes, but right now I have no idea what we're getting from Wayne Ellington, and I don't think Wayne Ellington knows what we're asking from him. Yeah, I guess the thing is, so much of of it is the respect he commands from defenses though like he's not getting open looks right like the threes he's taking are very difficult ones and a lot of times right. it's because he's he's maybe the only shooter on the floor at a time 
Um, so, so defenses are kind of loading up and, and it's not like the offense has been particularly sophisticated either. I, I noticed it's just like a lot of double screens for Wayne Ellington, like coming from the block up on like, you know, like kind of pin downs and double screens. It's uh, it's pretty predictable. That's I, not I don't want to do my Jakey cross sports, but it's, it's almost been like in football, you see the power running back come in. That like he's not in on passing plays at all, and it's like okay, the power back's coming in, they're gonna run it, right? Um, and the Knicks' offense isn't <laughs> isn't tricky or efficient enough right now to do that. Yeah, I I mean, just his three point percentage alone makes me kind of question my my pick of Ellington, <laughs> but <laughs> like it's on it's on about six attempts per game. They have not been easy looks, but I I mean. It's a tiny sample. I completely expect that to to yeah. go up as the season progresses, and I just like that element that he brings to the to the team. And then my my fourth guy, I was really, I really wanted to pick Knox here again for his shooting, but y- you can't leave. I mean, first of all, you politically you can't leave out Marcus Morris and Julius Randle. That just doesn't work. Uh, even leaving one out of the crunch time lineup is is a tough sell. I think That's for either issue, of those guys. Yeah. But I'm kind of like throwing politics aside. Knox is one of those shooters who who commands respect from the defenses. Um, he has been a disaster on defense. I know, like we we've kind of found some clips. We posted one to like talking Nick's Instagram of him just just letting guys go right by him. And I, I watch him on defense f- for full possessions just to see what he's doing and kind of try and get in his head. And I didn't watch a ton of this. Pistons game but I did watch one possession where Kevin Knox just had no idea where to go and luckily the Pistons missed a shot but it was just it had like it had nothing to do with Knox's defensive awareness he was kind of all over the place and it's it's pretty it's pretty tough at this point granted he's super young I, I think he'll get better a little better there but I guess just to answer the question I'm going Frank point guard Wayne Ellington shooting guard RJ Barrett small forward Marcus Morris, power forward, Mitchell Robinson, center. And I, I think that provides enough spacing, enough playmaking. You got a little bit of the bit of the ISO hero ball from Morris and the, the rim, rum, rim, rim running and defensive uh, rim protection from Mitch. I, I kind of like that, that lineup. What do you think about it? I think there's some obvious stuff there. When, when those guys are right, like if you have Ellington and Knox shooting like they can – like, yes. Um, and that, that is true. Like, a, you know, small sample size. Wayne Ellington's an NBA veteran who shot 37% on eight attempts last year. If we start seeing that Wayne Ellington, I think he makes a big push to be in the lineup. Tom, I'm kind of down on Knox right now. Um, you are. The the defense, um, you touched on that. And there's been a couple laughable moments and – you know, I kind of hope that when they look at the tape, they have a laugh over it and be like, hey, you got to know that's that's not enough. But he's still young. And like that's I, I keep telling myself when I see Detroit with a 122 on the scoreboard that it's hard to play the NBA as a young guy, especially defense. And that's Knox and Barrett are still young. Frank's still young. That's kind of what kind of what makes him still potentially a real asset is how good he is at defense at this age. I mean, he has defensive potential that you rarely see. Um, But Kevin Knox, Tom, and this is the part that really freaks me out, 
I was watching him on offense tonight, and I know he's not like your traditional two guard. He's not Rip Hamilton. He's not Ray Allen, UConn. Um, but Tom, like he's a guy that needs to be cutting hard off of screens and looking for that separation because he is such a talented scorer. And tonight he was kind of going through the motions on offense. And I feel like I've seen that a lot. And he's just looking for like the offensive rebound kick out for three, or he's looking for the, the lost defender open three. And he's got a great stroke, but I, I don't know right now. The defense is <laughs> the defense is past questionable. And the offense, again, it starts getting tricky with a small sample size and some of the things we've said about Fizdale's offense. But I'm just not thrilled with Noxie right now. I think that's all fair. And and ultimately I did like for my crunch time lineup, I, I ended up going with Marcus Morris over over Knox just for a lot of those things that you said. And um in in terms of like him on offense and kind of going around screens lazily, he really does need to try and emulate um, Wayne Ellington's style, right? Like uh, ideally, yes. he'd be shooting better than Ellington currently is. But but Ellington sprints around those screens, man. Like he he takes some really tough shots. But like they're they're tough for people like us. Like he's a professional at it. Right. He's like able to to gather to get his balance and and go up and get a clean look whereas a lot of guys aren't able to do that Knox has to develop that ability or or his value on offense is going to be hugely limited um I wrote about RJ Barrett for Nick's film school earlier this week and I wrote about like kind of how much force he plays with and I compared it him to Kevin Knox specifically because Knox doesn't play with any force it it almost looks like he's more worried about like kind of i don't know just like looking cool and smooth like he's always so smooth and and looks effortless but the problem with looking effortless is like sometimes it's because you're not playing with any effort <laughs> yeah you're uh, you're not trying hard enough kid yeah and and that's the thing is like Tracy McGrady made everything look so easy and cool but he also was like a really fierce competitor and like really cared and and you just don't see it from Knox so much. Like Knox has T Max sort of like smooth, cool factor, but none of the skill and like you know, I don't know, just like being tough <laughs> to, to back it up. Hey, and um, I, I I think we might laugh at this one day, um, and unfortunately, in a way, we don't want to laugh at it. But it did take T Mac a little while to find his niche in the league. Like he. He he took a while. He was one of those young kids out of high school that, um, I mean, who who did he get traded for? I forget, but um, I don't know. Tracy McGrady, it's not like he came out instantly and he was killing it. He had to figure out how to make that work. But also, Kevin Knox, like, Tom, I, I specifically, like you said, and it's it's tough to zoom in on one possession, but it's also tough to zoom out when you do zoom in that one possession. And I thought he was literally... Like, know how you run around a screen kind of casually because you're trying to bait them like, oh, the play's not about me, and then you come around the next screen and you try to lose them. It's uh, the old shake and bake, basically. Yeah. It's, I like, thought, in, it's like in football, not to do another cross-sports yes. thing, but it's like when, when the wide receiver comes off the line and, like, kind of, like, he knows the play's not going his way, so he, he just sort of, like, jogs and throws a lazy block at the cornerback. But then every once in a while you do that lazy jog out 
and you know it's coming to you, right? So you, you kind of like do the little acting job. You pretend like you're gonna throw a little lazy block, and then you just you know sprint out for a fade. Um, Plant that foot that and go. That's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, no, that I mean that's that's perfect. And I I genuinely thought the way he came around a screen, I was like, okay, that's here we go, shake and bake, baby. And He's then about to turn it on. And then no, um, and it's just. <laughs> And and again, like it's it's kind of it circles into a lot of weird Knicks conversations because we're think about the guys you mentioned Wayne Ellington who's listed at six four. I mentioned Ray Allen six five. Rip Hamilton six five. Um, and that's kind of the issue right now, right? Because how many times before this season did we say like Kevin Knox's best position would be a stretch four? Um, but the way he's playing right now, <laughs> it's like a shooting guard. Um. So he's there's a couple things that have to happen. He either has to get a little more physical or he if you're going to act like a shooting guard, act like a shooting guard. Yeah, no that's that's well said. And um I don't just just going back to to that lineup that I I mentioned, right? It was the the Frank Nilakina, Wayne Ellington, RJ Barrett, Marcus Morris, Mitchell Robinson. Um it's played a, a total of two and a half minutes so far this season. And? Um, and it, it's done really well. Yes. It's, uh, well, I mean, really well is a tough – I mean, in two and a half minutes, it's uh, – <laughs> it has an 83 offensive rating. So that's – you know, if it had played for 100 possessions, it would have scored 83 points. That's terrible. Awful. But it gave up a, it gave up a 40 defensive rating, so it was really good defensively. Again, in two and a half minutes. That must have been a tough two and a half minutes of basketball. It was all against the Celtics. Okay. Um, I, I was just looking at the stretch really quickly. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing to glean from those minutes. Like, <laughs> rest assured, n- nothing happened uh, that, w- that would make it indicative of it being a good lineup or a bad lineup. Um, but, I don't know, that, that's, a, that's a lineup I'd like to see more of because of the, of the shooting and – Really, anytime Frank and Barrett are together, we, we we said that at the very beginning of the season before we even knew what Barrett was going to be. But the more I see it, the, the more I like it. Just it, they, they really do seem to complement each other well. It's It feels like a Band-Aid. Like, hey, <laughs> Frank, when, when we're on defense, keep an eye out for RJ. He's still the new guy. He's still really young. You know, help him out. And then it's on the other end of the court, RJ Barrett, it's like, Hey, Frank, you know, just run around a little bit. Maybe you'll get a couple loose balls and we can make this work. <laughs> like our RJ Barrett's kind of got the not that he has the offense figured out, but he's doing and this is what and I I just I'm going to start saying this in every podcast to make me happy, but um and Tom, I know you weren't fully locked into tonight's game. RJ Barrett went to the line 11 times. Um he only hit 6 of them, so that's another conversation. But, I, I mean, R.J. Barrett, eight assists. He had the big rebound game already. Like, what R.J. Barrett's doing is special, and he's going to be a really good player in this league. So, yeah, if, if he, he almost has to be out there. And, and with Frank being able to pick up the, the better offensive backcourt player on the other team, it's a win-win right now. Yeah, it's pretty funny that we're just kind of taking for granted that R.J. Barrett's a lock in our crunch time lineup because – we just haven't really had that before with like rookie Frank or rookie Knox. Um, but 
I don't know. I, I guess I want to go through a few more things with uh, with the Knicks lineups. First of all, just like the the most played lineup that the Knicks have had this season. Um, it's actually it's it's this one. It's Ilford Payton, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, Mitchell Robinson. And that lineup has gotten blown out when it's been <laughs> on the court. Um, minus 20 points per 100 possessions. Um, having a hard time scoring, having a hard time defending anybody, really just struggling all around. But it's funny because our, our next highest played lineup is just swapping Bobby Portis in for Mitchell Robinson there. So again, it's, it's Peyton, Barrett, Marcus Morris, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis. And that lineup has been dominating teams in only 27 minutes, but in general, that's been working. Um, what do you make of that, Jake? Do you think that's just small sample size stuff, or do you think that Bobby Portis really does unlock something uh, that that Robinson kind of, you know, he's not a good fit with that with that group? Yeah, it's it's tough because sample size is sample size. I'm using a lot of great Mike Tomlin quotes tonight, um, but it it's the sample we have, right? And and that's what we're looking for. I mean. Tom, this the with your crunch time lineup or a lot of the spiel you were giving, um, you're thinking about the offense and you're thinking about spreading the court. And if there's some of those other guys we have to keep out there, I mean, Mitchell Robinson, the rim protector, rim runner, you're turning that into Bobby Portis, who's a legitimate threat from three, um, which does allow you to do a lot more different things on offense. And it makes... Um, I don't know. Does can that bring Julius Randle into into play into that lineup? I don't know, but I mean, if you're if you're serious about wanting to have shooting out there right now, if you had Bobby Portis, um, Portis, Marcus Morris, Kevin Knox, Ellington, and Barrett, I mean, all those dudes can shoot. It's uh, I mean it. It's not exactly the Golden State. A uh, small ball lineup of death, but all those guys can kind of shoot. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I I am serious about just getting more shooting on on the floor in general and and having more space to operate. It get, it'll you know open things up for Barrett in his driving lanes, but just in general, just it it'll help this offense which which has been struggling so much. Um, and uh, yeah, like. The Knicks got made fun of a lot during the offseason for signing all these power forwards, ha, ha, ha. And, and a lot of Knicks fans sort of bristled at that criticism, saying, like, the lo- the real log jams at point guard, you know? Did you see that a lot? It was like, we didn't actually sign that many front court players. We were actually thin there. But the problem is, it's it's the, the issues with the rotations, right? You need to play Mitchell Robinson a lot of minutes, and you also need to play Julius Randle and Marcus Morris minutes. Like, Morris has earned his minutes, Randall, you know, has sometimes earned them, but otherwise his contract mandates that he gets these minutes. So when you have to play those three guys, it is a it is a kind of a tricky juggling act. Um, I mean, that's what Fizdale gets paid to do, and it's it's you know it's not that hard. <laughs> right. I'm sure if that's, I sat down, that's, that's I'm sure the, if I sat down with like a pencil and paper, I could figure it out. But I'm just looking at these numbers here, and like Rob Robinson, Randall, and Morris, those that trio has played 77 minutes together this season, and it is getting obliterated. Uh, it, they can't score. They can't. They can't even defend. Like that's a problem. When because because right. Robinson and Morris are good defenders, 
<laughs> like there, there's really no excuse for that. So you, you have all that size. You should be able to defend. They're not doing a good job of that either. Their rebound percentage isn't very good. It's just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like they're just you know their their skill sets are kind of overlapping and, and eating away at each other. And, and at the end, like the the sum is less than the than the you know some of its parts. So if if that's the phrase. And so I I I tried to ask this on one of the earlier podcasts. I think specifically to you, and I think I phrased it horribly. But let let's say we are. Fizdale making that salary, figuring out who to play. Um, what's what's your mindset? And and this is where I'll give you examples because I don't know how I'm saying this right. But I'm I like I'm almost picturing Zach Lowe his his ten things article that I I know you're a big Zach Lowe guy. Like if you're Fizdale, should we not be trying out? I mentioned the shooters lineup: Barrett, Ellington, Knox, Morris, and Portis. Like, I don't know, should we not be trying that and seeing, hey, maybe we can blitz teams and, and try to try to make a, a C-squad lineup of death? Should we be playing, like, all the defensive guys, like a lineup of Peyton, Frank, um, Mitch Rob, maybe Taj Gibson? Um, like, it, should we be trying to find kind of these special teams groups? Like, hey, we're coming up against a really good offense tonight. That defensive lineup we've been running out has been really good. Let's try it out against this team. Or I, I, I feel like the end game is having a healthy mix of both, but we clearly don't right now. I mean, we have we have so many players with with different skill sets that like there there are obvious synergies and things that that should be able to work. We've mentioned a lot about. Frank and Barrett and the numbers would tell you right now that like when they play together the team hasn't done well but guess what this team is one in seven yeah there are very few combinations (laughs) of of duos that have done well when they've been on the court together like Alfred Payton is one of them because he's only played in limited games (laughs) and Bobby Portis is the other because he went off at the guard in that one game right like we're still at that point where these are such small samples that they can be tainted by one game like that. So at this point, you kind of have to, if you're Fisdale, you have to know what you have in your players, right? Like you have to understand what, what each of them brings to the table. And then just based on your experience and understanding of basketball, pair them together. It, it shouldn't be that hard. Um, I, I see a lot of people on Nick's Twitter calling for, Marcus Morris to to start the game sure for his ego like he can start with Randall and Robinson but very quickly into the game you pull Morris to the bench and then you just have him lead second units and that to me makes a ton of sense I I, I don't see why why Morris would bristle at that like he would still be a nominal starter he would still get his same minutes they would just oftentimes come against opposing like you know second units and and he'd even have an easier time scoring and getting his numbers which that's what the season's all about for him he's he's in a contract year he's gonna try and get his numbers and get paid next year so I would think Morris would be cool with that and then you know say you bring in Knox for Morris you just you get more shooting on the floor right away that's going to help both Randall and Mitchell Robinson um I one struggle is just Randall's shooting this year, right? Like Robinson can't step out in any way, shape or form. So Randall, 
like he has to be able to like keep defenders honest by, by being able to hit a jumper and he can't do that right now. So, so you have two guys in Randall and Robinson who are just li- have to live in the paint. And, and that's definitely a struggle for those two. And, and you know, that's, a, that's something that Fizz has to figure out. And uh, I mean, I, I guess let's take it to the, to the next step um, because we have been living in small sample sizes to the point that coming into tonight, Julius Randle's three-point percentage was 5.6. Um, and he actually, he hit a couple tonight. They, they were, and they were real threes. It's not like he was left wide open and they baited him. He, he hit them in rhythm with, with hands around him. They were, they were nice three-point shots. So Julius Randle's three-point shot is going to come up. Um, last year he shot, he, he, he was, Point nine for two point seven, so he made a three point shot a game, thirty four percent. I mean, even if Julius Randle is at that number, it's tough to put him in a crunch time lineup that that Mitchell Robinson's going to be in, right? I know you just said that to a degree, but I mean, isn't this <laughs> like a big red flag? Yeah, no, the, the the fit between the two doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, and and it doesn't project to make any more sense as the seasons go on because <laughs> right. Mitchell Robinson he's never going to be able to to step out and space the floor in any way and that's not what we want him doing anyway I don't I don't want him doing it. like he's at his best when he's rim running Julius Randall is kind of similar like I think ideally Randall would be your big coming off the bench and sort of being a small ball five against second units where like chances are opposing you know, bench centers don't have a sick post-up game and they're going to be able to torch Randall. Um, I, I think that's kind of Randall's ideal role at this point. And he'd be much better, like, rolling to the rim as well. He's a, he's like an absolute force in there when he gets in there. Um, but, yeah, playing the two together right now is, is really difficult. And then you add in another guy who like Marcus Morris who is a ball stopper who probably should be playing power forward. And that's it's a recipe for disaster. And I think it's, it's – kind of reflected in the Knicks one and seven record like we didn't expect the Knicks to be good but we also did not expect them to be one and seven and uh, I know they have a tough stretch coming up pretty soon so I don't yeah. know Jake do, do you have any anything else on the on the lineup front because I think we're kind of nearing our mark for these midweek pods yeah I mean I just for Julius Randall again we we almost I feel like we don't have the right helmet on for Julius Randall yet um, like I said, tonight he hit a couple threes confidently. Um, Julius Randle for the Pelicans last year, he shot 52, 52.4% from the field on 15 attempts. That's, I mean, that's pretty legit stuff. Currently, he's shooting, or coming into tonight, he was shooting 41.8% on 13 attempts. So uh, we haven't seen the Julius Randle that we should yet, like by any means, even even before Julius Randle kind of took a step up last year, um, he shot 50, 55.8% from this field. So hopefully we right now just have an awful taste in our mouth of what Julius Randle is, because maybe there is a discussion um, if we're looking at this from an offensive stance that Julius Randle would be the five. He can stretch, he can handle the ball, and you sit Mitch – um, it just gets really scary defensively if you do that. 
Yeah, and my my concern with kind of comparing him to previous seasons is, I mean, for one, the the level of talent that was around him. I don't know how many of the games Anthony Davis actually played in last year. If I remember correctly, it wasn't very many. But you still had someone like Drew Holiday, who would just be far and away the best player on this Knicks team. Um, You know, like able to set him up for things. And just in general, it was like a, a fairly competent, team last year right so it's hard to compare it's hard to compare like the the schemes and the and the spacing and and Julius Randle wasn't the guy last year right like defenses weren't necessarily loading I mean he he did average over 20 so defenses had to be prepared for him yeah no doubt I think once Anthony Davis tapped out he he started going but you're right I mean Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in the league um I mean, the only the only thing I'd I'd say to kind of counter it a little more is that the 2017-2018 Lakers, I mean, they were 35 and 47. Um, I mean, was that Lonzo Ball's rookie year? Yeah, um, that was Brandon Ingram's second year. Kuzma was a rookie. Um, so I mean, they were young and they were in the West. And I I mean, I don't know if there's another name jumping out for me on that team. Yeah, Lonzo Ingram, KCP, um, Kuzma, Isaiah Thomas. Um, so I mean, that's that's a pretty oh, he's pl- rough. He's team. played with he's played with bad players before. And I mean, that season that was the year he played center, um, and he got torched defensively. And the league's evolved a little more, and he's grown as a player. So we'll we'll see if there's anything there. But that season, he shot 55.8% from the field. So either way, the Julius Randle we have seen, um, you know, maybe he's not what we get with the Pelicans last year. Maybe he is, and this was just a brutal stretch, but he's definitely not what we're currently seeing. Please don't be. Yeah, it's it's a tough look that he was in neither of our crunch time lineups. And, you know, he's he's far and away the highest paid player on the team and he's he's locked in for next season as well so um you know the knicks are are somewhat invested in him and his development so like you're saying again i don't expect him to shoot 5.6 percent from three on the season that's just not going to happen so um you're right like his, his shooting numbers will tick up hopefully those turnover numbers will tick down and uh and you know we'll have to like actually consider him in crunch time lineups going forward when we have these discussions but yeah i, I think uh i think we kind of said our piece here and, and you know jake i think you do a better job of wrapping these up you have all that practice show me how it's done you're beautiful tom thanks everyone rate subscribe tweet at tom underscore piccolo you're gonna love it um some good vids many breakdowns there um and thank you and i uh tom i i enjoyed this i think it's uh it's it's going to be the big conversation in Knicks land, especially with the Fizdale quote that just happened. Yeah, it's a fun little midweek break here. And, uh, yeah, look out for, for these midweek, hopefully every week going forward. And, uh, and again, our, our uh, Monday sort of recap pods where we talk more big picture stuff. But, yeah, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.